You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. <laughs> like, let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Yeah, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball, and if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now- Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. Thank you for joining us, as always. It's been a little while since we last talked. I am joined by my, my cloistered co-hosts, Nick and Ryan, as always. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877. You can follow them at bcnatshack. Sorry, I'm tired. And at halfshackcap. And, nice. Uh, Nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. I don't even have it in front of me. I'm even more unprepared than usual for the podcast tonight. But I have a good excuse, which I will touch on in our What Did We Do This Week segment. Well, for, first of all, you called me Cloister, which is a Pokemon. And if I were to be a Pokemon, <laughs> I would definitely be a lot cooler of a Pokemon than freaking Cloister. I don't know what Pokemon that is, so I can't comment. But I'm it's, sure it's you like would an, be the coolest Pokemon. It's a clam oyster thing. I mean, oh. there's definitely way cooler Pokemon. So, well, it seems kind of seems kind of uh, appropriate then. How how? Please elaborate. I don't know. Exactly. I, I have nothing. Are you saying nothing. because I'm a pearl? <laughs> I'm a pearl. Um, I'm a gem. Yeah. A gem, because you're a gem. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Oh yeah, 
good top top of our game this evening. So, Brian, we actually have some interesting things to talk about for our weekend review. Yeah, um, it was a pretty big week. There's uh, one pretty big story that I'll get to that. Yeah, I left the house for once. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pay what, what? To. Yeah, man. Uh, quarantine day 21. I learned to levitate. Um, so first, it will be unveiled a very drastic plan to get baseball back. Um, the plan begins with quarantining all players and teams in Arizona, employing the games and the spring training sites in Arizona, as well as the Diamondbacks Stadium. The plan would have a two to three week long spring training and a early June opening day. The plan notes that games will be seven innings long. They will play doubleheaders. Uh, there will be a universal DH. Sorry, Amanda. There will be no home plate umpire to ensure social, social distancing. There will be an automated strike zone. Um, there will be no mound visits whatsoever of any type. They would expand rosters so they can replace players due to injuries or if a player gets sick due to the corona. Um, then you have the logistics of this whole plan. Players would have to be quarantined in their hotels for five months. The only time they're allowed to travel would be from the hotel to the games. Families would not be with them. Uh, players would not be allowed in the dugouts. Neither would the coaches, trainers, or scouts. All parties would be sitting in the stands at least six feet apart, and everyone would have a designated spot to not cross-contaminate your germs. That's an interesting thing. Um, MLB would work with health officials to ensure there, there will be adequate testing for the players so it doesn't take away from the public supply. There isn't adequate testing for the public, so that's a very interesting theory right there. If the players somehow agree to this, the owners would come to have to come to agreement on how to split revenue as all teams would be losing gate money and their television con revenue would be severely decreased for this season as well. And will be expanded on this saying they could have teams in Florida as well, and they will completely restructure the divisions. And will be must not realize Arizona's peak is expected in June, and Florida is becoming the new epicenter. Um, Ryan Zimmerman is expecting his third child in June. When asked if he would miss the birth and birth of his child and the time after to be quarantined in Arizona, he said, "Not a chance." If you're like, "Well, why couldn't he just start the season, go on paternity leave, and then come back?" Because once you're in Arizona, you can't leave until the season is over, regardless what happens. We're going to hear a lot of crazy ideas as well as rumored start dates, but the truth is, no one knows. These are all rumors. No one has any idea what the season will look like or when it will start. And then the second biggest story of the week, MLB has told teams to not issue refunds on tickets that have been sold at this moment. MLB is telling teams to treat these games as rain delays, a.k.a. the games are postponed, not canceled. This has caught the attention of the federal government. Um, Congress issued a congressional hearing for the five major ticket retailers who are also not refunding people at this time. Congress is demanding that all fans who bought tickets to events that have been impacted by COVID-19 be refunded. StubHub, a billion-dollar company, is arguing that they do not have enough money to pay everyone back, and instead they are issuing a 120% credit on people's accounts for any event through 2021. This goes against StubHub's own policy, and StubHub is being sued mightily by a lot of people right now. 
this is going to be a story that everyone is going to want to follow because I too would like my money back from opening day and everyone's getting sued and MLB doesn't want people to be refunded right now. In other news, MLB players and bundles have been talking out against MLB's proposed plan. Um, numerous top health officials also keep saying there's no way sports are going to be played before Thanksgiving. Uh, former Ranger star Josh Hamilton was arrested for uh, assaulting his daughter. This week in review has been brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's. Please keep staying inside. It's working. Social distance. And that is your week in review. All right. Yeah, this this uh, idea for the season in Arizona is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire it's life. Like, it's just uh, untenable on so many levels. Until I heard the argument for not having a universal DH. <laughs> yeah, well, aside from the DH, I really think that the only good thing about this whole proposal is the no umpires. And, uh, you know, since they are largely old, fat men, probably you want to keep them away from anybody who might have been exposed to coronavirus. So probably best just not to have them back there. It's like all. Amanda throwing shots. There was no need to include fat men in there. <laughs> old, I mean, they're mostly old, fat guys, which is, you know, those okay, are both yes, things you don't want to have when you being get, fat has you get the coronavirus. Being fat has nothing to do with <laughs> catching coronavirus. Jeez. That's... It doesn't have to do with catching it, but it does have to do with how well you weather it. <laughs> run away from it like what <laughs> <laughs> no that's not it actually is if you read about it that actually is one of the you know, obesity is one of the things that causes worse outcomes with coronavirus i think so the, funniest, the funniest depends on perspective part, you have <laughs> the funniest part about this is mlb is like oh it's completely okay for us to play in fact it is so okay that no one is allowed within six feet of their own teammate or coaches at any time whatsoever. <laughs> Don't go anywhere near anyone and also stay in your hotel room that you're going to be by yourself and don't come out for five whole months. But it's safe for you guys right. to keep on playing. And how are you supposed to get coached or have anybody discuss, like, they're not going to have mound visits because Zoom. the catcher and pitcher can't talk to each other? I mean, it's just absurd. It's the stupidest Next thing, thing you know, there's going to be, like, ghost runners, ghost runner on first, and then there's arguments <laughs> <laughs> on who scored on what. Um, the and whole then thing it's going to be pitcher's so poison instead of throwing the ball in the bag so they don't want to share the balls because that's how germs are going to spread. Like, it's, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. I was I was thinking they could just like simulate the season. Why not just like use the MLB game? You just simulate the whole thing, get everybody's numbers, and be like, "Here's what happened this season." There you go. We're done. Oh, I forgot. I forgot this thing. Oh, MLB also th is throwing out the idea of playing the season in Japan. Oh yeah, I saw Which, that. Oh, I by, saw that. Yeah. In case you guys are wondering, Japan lifted first. up their entire social distancing thing. And then quickly realized it was too early, and now they're back on lockdown. So that idea, right out the window. Um, yeah, that didn't go like, well at all. How they just? I I understand like they realize that they're gonna have to think outside the box to get a season in, but like, how much money is the league gonna make from this? Like, are they really that desperate to get some type of revenue this year? Yeah, so, like, here's my hot take: there will be lives? no season. There will be no season of any kind. It is not going to happen. I mean, All of these ideas are silly, and they're not going to work. Ryan's been saying that for a couple of weeks now, so it's not really a hot take. Well, it's a hot take to some people who insist that everything's going to be back to normal by June. Those and you want to hear a great Japan story? 
Yes. Uh, my husband and son were supposed to be going on a trip to Japan, leaving at the end of this month for his graduation slash birthday, which is on May 1st. And hey, that's, uh, they, that's Ryan's birthday. Yeah. Cool. That's also my oldest son's birthday. So um, they Ryan, were you have a new mommy. Right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've got enough of that going on right now. I'm good. <laughs> um, anyway, so they got a cancellation from Air China, who they had used to book this trip, like two weeks, three weeks ago, canceling their trip from here to Beijing, where they were supposed to fly through on their way to Tokyo. But they still haven't canceled the tickets from Japan or from Beijing to Tokyo or any of the stuff like the, the return tickets or anything else. So we just mm -hmm. keep getting like updates on the, oh, your flight time's been moved. And we <laughs> keep trying to get Air China to give us our money back, and so far they have not. So there you go. We'll see how well, that all works out. But I, I got to sympathize with them because the airline industry, which is a like couple hundred dollar, couple hundred billion dollar industry is really going through it right now. Yeah, only so a couple understand. hundred dollars. Yeah, so I understand just why they bit. won't give them like – cancel the flight or give them the money back. Like they're just so poor and all those billions of dollars are sitting there right now. Yeah, I get the whole thing, but you still you still have to give you can't people can't you can't not you can't cancel the leg of the flight from here to Beijing and then keep charging us for the part from Beijing to Tokyo. We're not going to be in Beijing. <laughs> like, they they said watch me. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. It's a little bit crazy. So Anyway, but we're, uh, you know, it was funny a couple of months ago when this was all first getting started and we're like, wow, I don't think you're going to be able to go on that trip to Japan. <laughs> yeah, looking like, looking like that's a big fat no. <laughs> so I've got one, I've got a trip planned with my sister in August to Spain and I don't know if even that one's going to be able to happen. No, I, I don't think, and that just is another thing with baseball, like there's not really a good plan for them to even play the game, let alone have fans there. It's going to be so long before we see any sort of normalcy with sporting events or even like something like a movie theater, something more common for like people to go to. It's going to be a while before you see like mass gatherings as a socially acceptable thing. So I, I just don't yeah. think we get a season. I don't That's think a so really good point. Cause like people aren't going to, I mean, we're not going to have normal again after this. Like, this is changing life as we know it. Like, yeah. when are you going to feel comfortable going to a sporting event again? Like, I'm not going until at least there's a vaccine. So whenever that happens, sometime, like, mid-next year. So, like, at, at yeah, the very earliest. You. Yeah. At the like, very, it's probably going to be two years before we get a vaccine just because, I mean, they, they might develop one. But by the time it's widely available to everyone, it's yeah. going to be a year and a half, two years. But even then, like, the PTSD we're all going to have from this when this is all over is going to be nuts. Like, I'm not going to shake anyone's hand, like, let alone go Oh, I tell you statement. right now, I will never shake anyone's hand ever again as long as I live. I'm going to be such a horrible germaphobe when this is over. Like, if I have to go to do a pickup at the grocery store where I don't even get out of my car and they just, I just, like, open my trunk with my, you know, remote thing and then they put the stuff in and close the door. I still feel like I need to, like, shower and scrub my skin off my hands and face when I get back. Oh, you you want to hear a funny story? <laughs> yes. So we're, I believe we were on the way to the Caps Parade and we metroed there. I was on the metro. I think I was on the metro first or whatever. But I get on. I see Ryan go to dap up my friend 
he won't he won't dap me up. He won't shake my hand because my hand was on the bar. This idiot then proceeds to put his hand. Already a germaphobe. No, no, no. But get started. Then this idiot proceeds to put his hand on the bar. (laughs) (laughs) That's my hand. I'm exposing myself. Oh no! Like I, I hate the metro. I think it's the most disgusting thing in the world. And like I work in the hospital, and I am washing my hands all day long because I will not get exposed to anything. So right now, it's as hell for me. Um, it's literally the worst. I saw this tweet, and it was like 40 years from now, our grandkids are going to be like, why is grandma wiping down all the grocery bags and, like, really annoyed about it? And it's just going to be one of those things where, like, it's from 2020. We don't talk about it. And I, like, cried now, laughing because it's so true. It is. And I actually was saying this to somebody recently. You know, you we it's sort of a joke isn't the right word, but it's kind of one of those things where you see people who lived through the Depression, and they, like, you know, wash off aluminum foil and like never throw anything away and it's sort of like this whole everybody kind of laughs about how they're you know so frugal or cheap or whatever but that's a that's the kind of thing that like leaves a scar on the national psyche when something like that happens and I feel like this is going to be that kind of a thing like living through this is nobody's going to be the same after this yeah I mean because it's like this you could easily get the flu right through coming in contact with someone who's contagious or whatever, but no one really thought of it that way, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. But now that it's becoming so widespread and it's getting so much attention, now everyone's realizing what was already there. And yes, coronavirus is not just the flu, it's worse, but it just brings so much attention that can't isn't just going to go away once this quarantine thing is all over. So yeah, I don't know what normal is going to look like after the, after this, but there's definitely going to be some big changes stemming from it. And that includes sports too. Like who knows what's going to happen to Nats games or any sporting events. uh, Like if they do every other seat or whatever, I mean, certainly it's going to have major impacts. Yeah, it is definitely going to have major impacts. I don't know. I don't think anybody can really speculate on what this is all going to look like when this is over, but it's going to look different that we can be pretty certain of. Yeah. I mean, didn't our president want everything like up and running by Easter? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a, what's the word a, I heard somebody say. Target. That was aspirational. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Emphasis on ass. Well, no, it's like the sports are going to come back, and everyone thinks it's done, and then wave two is going to come, and then the same thing is going to happen. Well, that's the thing that come. that gets me. Without getting too far off in the weeds on this, I don't have any. I don't see why anybody thinks that when people keep saying when this is over, like it's going to be over in a few weeks or something. I mean, like as soon as you relax all these requirements people are under now for social distancing. It's just going to keep happening. If you look at what happened in the last major pandemic in the 1918 flu, as soon as all the cities relaxed their, you know, quarantine requirements, there's a second wave, and the second wave was worse than the first one. So that's pretty depressing to think about, but I, I think we're in a, this is going to be a long, long haul that we're in with this. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know what the weird thing is? What's up? I don't miss sports as much as I thought I would. Oh, I do. Oh, God, I do. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because, like, there's just so much going on. But, like, 
The gulag God. has made you a man. The gulag has made me a man. <laughs> um, my Animal Crossing <laughs> island, island has four stars right now. Um, I'm great at puzzles. I love bike rides. I got myself a bike. been doing a lot of that. Nice. Um, life's, I mean, life's not great. Life is complete <laughs> shit right now. I mean, I was going to say. Well, dude, <laughs> I have to edit this. <laughs> it is a national right. crisis. It's allowed. But no, but like, I don't know. I, I'm kind of enjoying all these like throwback and major games are on TV right now. Like, it's kind of nice. Like turning That on, has like, oh. been kind of cool. I did watch some Caps Stanley Cup run earlier. Yeah, today. that was all on pretty TV. awesome. Yeah, that's good. Well, this kind of segues into our what did we do this week segment. So, Ryan, why don't you finish up with our with the first part of that? Ryan, you're muted. <laughs> I was speaking. Um, yeah, you know, so work from home three days a week. Other two days are a very, very interesting day going into work um, in the healthcare realm, but working on my animal crossings island um i just built my italian restaurant i called it italia um i'm so original witty um that's really creative got a bike been you doing a lot greek of food? bike rides <laughs> greek, <laughs> greek and italian <laughs> heavenly <laughs> and heaven <laughs> oh you gotta be there you gotta be there um a lot of video games i mean a lot of video games um, doing some house parties with people, you know, trying to see the homies because I can't kiss my homies to bed every single night. Um, and somehow trying to still do schoolwork. It's impossible to focus on right now. It's kind of like the end of the world is happening. But yeah, it's the same thing every single day. The days are pushing together. Easter snuck up on me out of nowhere. Easter's like that, man. It's sneaky. You got to watch out for Easter. Well, now, since I have no idea what day it is. Like, I, every, every morning, I'm like, today is Monday, like, five times. Yeah. It's, you, gotta, you know what you could get is some of those. Remember those underoos people used to have when they were kids that had the day of the week written on them? That could be helpful <laughs> right now. <laughs> get yourself a set of those. The week goes Monday, second Monday, third Monday, Thursday, Thursday, first Sunday, second Sunday. That's how my days are. I don't think they sell sets like that. You're going to have to get several sets and put them together. <laughs> no, I just wear the same, the first pair for three days because they're all Monday. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of people sitting around in their own filth right now since they don't have to go to work. Yeah, forwards, backwards, inside out. Three days. <laughs> inside, um, outside, upside down. I do have breaking news. Breaking news. Episode 8 of Tiger King just dropped. I already watched it. Damn it. How was it? <laughs> it? It's just like they interview a couple of the um, characters or whatever you put uh, people involved. They give them a couple of interview and the ask actors. them how. Yeah. They ask them how their life has changed since the doc aired. And they ask uh, if this were to be turned into a movie, who would they want to play them? And that that's literally mm -hmm. it. it's 45 minutes of that. Well, that's a little disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the seven episodes were so bonkers. They couldn't give us a fun eighth one. Yeah, woke up more disappointing than the last episode of Game of Thrones. Sunshine in yeah. We don't talk about that anymore. Come on. <laughs> All right, Nick. Give us what did you do this week? So I am in the process of moving. 
so did a lot of that. That's like the one thing. Honestly, I hate moving. I don't think anyone likes moving, but it's, it's kind of my the worst thing. It, it's my saving grace right now because it gets me out of the house, and it's also something for me to focus on. If I wasn't doing that, I would literally just go insane. Um, but I had this TV stand, and like I obviously some of the the stuff I have in my house, like I can't carry or move by myself so like I will need help but I try not to ask for help unless I absolutely need it just because with everything going on I don't want to put people in a weird situation or anything like that so I had this TV stand and it wasn't heavy but it was long and it's awkward to carry with just one person so I was kind of like bear hugging it and it's a tall TV stand so I was walking down the stairs and I hit myself in the in the lip and then I was dealing with like you know the it's not a cold sore but like the cut on the inside of your lip and you keep hitting it and hitting it, hitting it, it just doesn't heal. I dealt with that for like a week, so that was that was tough. That was, that was really tough for me wow. to get over. That Are you all right? Se- uh, Seven-day DL st- stint. Uh, I'm good now. Um, oh, but then, uh, so I have two puppies. They just turned a year old. Thanks, everybody, for wishing them oh. a happy birthday. Um, but we are, ta- like, taking them to training, and it's like this two-week uh, boarding training type deal. Um, where you drop them off and they come back like a whole new dog, basically, just because they are well behaved and all that stuff. But my dogs are actually litter mates, so they wanted to separate them so that way they're not going at the same time. They aren't so dependent. But anyways, we went to drop them off this morning and we just dropped off one. And I got that that feeling. I mean, I'm sure you've gone through this where like you drop your kid off at school for the first time and you're just not used to like doing that. I got that. Mm-hmm big time today so it was a rough day for me wow between the cut on your lip and that that is a tough week i I, i'm just going through right now i i would easily say i have it harder than anyone else right now (laughs) (laughs) well my week seems boring compared to that but I'll give it a oh, just adopted two kids. No big deal. Yeah, major life yeah. moment. <laughs> no, major life moment. My what that I do this week is actually amazing and awesome. I, uh, my husband and I have been for over two years in the process of an adoption that we finally, in the worst timing ever, got approved a couple of weeks ago. So um, we adopted two kids. Um, from foster care and they are amazing and wonderful but they also are from South Dakota so we had to go pick them up and didn't want to fly because you know pandemic so we drove across the country um, 20 hours there without stopping just pushing off back and forth driving because we didn't want to stop at a hotel (laughs) so we didn't we got there slept in the car Picked the kids up the next day and drove 23 hours back straight without stopping. So it was oh a little bit God. crazy. What type of car? Yeah, you well, have? I was like, a minivan. Uh, at least you could stretch a little bit, but like Jesus. a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but did you know it's cold in South Dakota? I don't know if you knew it's cold in South Dakota. What? <laughs> well, I'm not convinced that's a real car. place. So. Is that where Fargo Well, we is? got to go see Mount Rushmore, which oh. was fun. Yeah, not in South Dakota, actually, is where Fargo is. North Dakota, right? That is North Dakota. They're the anyway, Mount Rushmore is like 20 minutes from there, so we actually did take the time to drive out there and see it That's because cool. we had never seen it before. So then we drove home, and that was on Tuesday, and now we are home with our kiddos. So now we have five kids, all of whom are home in the house because pandemic. So there are seven people here, and it's a little bit insane. But I'm not complaining. I'm loving it. It's just 
insane and I'm exhausted. Amanda's jet lag just from the car ride, like no time, <laughs> like know. one time zone, yeah. but the car ride is just that miserable. It was crazy. It was literally, we were gone from the time we left our house till we got back. We were gone for 56 hours and we drove for 45 of them. <laughs> it was, uh, it was no really, thanks. really, really crazy. Well, I hear 11 hours of free time where you could have been driving, so... Right. There's a little bit of sleeping, a little bit of signing papers. <laughs> anyway, so the kids are four and two, and we already had a four-year-old. So we now have a 19-year-old, a 16-year-old, two four-year-olds, and a two-year-old. Did you do that so your daughter doesn't feel like so much of a surprise? <laughs> well, my middle one always says, and he's correct, that he says, I always know I'm your favorite because I'm the only one you had on purpose. And it's true. <laughs> it's <a> true. <laughs> Although I suppose the two new ones count now is on purpose since we went there through a go. lot of trouble to adopt them. <laughs> I accidentally adopted two kids. <laughs> it was not accidentally. It was just to prove a point. <laughs> <laughs> just to prove a point. <laughs> anyway, so that's what I did this week. Oh, very happy for you. It just it Thank does you. it does that's stink awesome. that we have two more kids that are gonna grow up in the lie of a anti-universal DH household. But oh, yeah, they I, are going to hate the DH for sure. They're going to hate the DH. We'll have to make sure they learn the, the proper ways. Ryan and I will make One sure day. we're going to godfather these kids into the, the, the light. <laughs> One day when they're old enough, Amanda's going to look at her husband and be like, it's time for the talk. <laughs> and they're going to the sit them down and be like, listen, the DH is evil. Um, more anti-DH. It's going to be like the birds and the bees, yeah. but for the DH. Right, exactly. This is an anti-DH house. So we, know. Like, is, we don't believe in that kind of nonsense. No, it, they won't even have the talk. It's just going to be like the Bartolo Colon home run on repeat for like four days straight. It's like, uh, oh, what's, yeah. that, what's that movie where they, Clockwork Orange, where they just like <laughs> hold the eyes open? I was literally, I was literally thinking yeah. that before you said it. It, it, it's just going to be like that, but but the Bartolo Colon home run when <laughs> the kids force No, they are really smart kids. I'm pretty sure they already know the DH is terrible. They're... No one's I mean, told them yet, but I mean, everybody knows that. If they were that small, well, they not know the DH is great. Um, I think our guest <laughs> had something else to say. Uh, yeah, I, I believe he did. Yes. Uh, no Speaking big of deal. our guest, <laughs> we should tell everybody, we have a really awesome interview to play for you guys once we're done rambling. Um, <laughs> and Bo Porter joined us, which was awesome. Obviously, um, we really appreciate getting any kind of a connection to the team right now. I know everybody's missing baseball. So he was awesome. He came on and, and did a nice long interview with us, and we talked about everything, including Nick, um, you know, steamrolling me about the DH since he already knows how both I mean, let's not spoil it. We'll just leave it as a nice little treat for the people <laughs> at the end of the interview. Yeah. But, uh, no, Bo was great. I think it took him a little bit to warm up to us because, I mean, obviously it was a, his first interview. So it started right. off a little slow, but then he kind of got comfortable once we he realized yeah. we actually knew what he we were talking about. He didn't know we were going to be such jackasses, so it was a little right. bit of a catch-up. But once right, but he figured then, out, oh, these yeah, people are jackasses, he, then it was yeah, fine. Yeah, he, he heard me talk, and it was like it was fine. Like, we were good. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Nick's it was very re reassuring. <laughs> really great interview. I uh, hope we have him on again soon. Yes, he was fantastic. Okay, well, do we have anything else to talk about before we play the interview for these folks, if they're still listening to us at this point? 
No, I think we are all set. Everybody stay safe. Uh, Don't be an idiot. Don't be a hero. Try to use Instacart and tip them generously because they are awesome. Support your small businesses. Support support your small businesses. Don't let them die. Support your local business. Yeah, absolutely. Be sure to tip your delivery drivers if it's food or packages, whatever. Those people are working their asses off right now for no more than they usually get, and they're they're doing something that we all need. So take care of people. Take care of yourselves. Everybody be safe. I heard this. And uh, we will talk again. Just a small segue. Well, sort of segue. I heard this thing on the radio. People are doing uh, – apparently – I've never used Instacart, but apparently you can, like – when you place your order, you can put the tip amount and then change it afterwards. So what people are doing is they're putting yep. like a $50 tip to make sure their order is first. And then once their order is delivered, they're going back and changing the tip to like $5. Oh, so God, people these people are just so getting much. screwed. So please, everyone out there, if you're using Instacart, if you thought about it, it doesn't have to be Instacart. It just could be any sort of if you can, grocery if you can delivery. If Instacart time because they're right. moderate. Yeah, but to the point, support yeah. – your local businesses, but also your local business people tip them. They, they need their help or our we're, help in this. We're all in this together. Yep. Please stay home unless you, have to, unless you have to go out. Don't be an idiot. Yeah. That's all good advice. It's working. All right. Have we lectured our listeners enough? We- <laughs> nope. Not yet, but we'll let it go. I'm sure there'll be more next time. Well, yep. thanks again for listening, everybody. We hope you're all safe and sound and had a happy Easter, and we will get together again to talk about whatever baseball there is to talk about soon. And uh, enjoy the interview with Bo Porter. Talk to you guys next time. Later. Hey, everybody. We are joined by Bo Porter of Masson, who was kind enough to join us from his off-season home in Houston. Bo, thank you so much for joining us. Amanda, thank you guys so much for having me on. Absolutely. Um, could you tell everybody who, um, if they don't already follow you online, where they can find you? Well, they can follow me on Twitter at BoPorter16Bo, and they can follow me on Instagram at TheRealBoPorter. Yeah, you don't want to follow the fake Bo Porter. Only follow the real Bo Porter. You don't want to follow the fake Bo Porter. You want to follow the real. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, there's some great content there. I actually don't do Instagram, but I follow you on Twitter. um, And uh, some of the videos you and and Dan Polko put out from uh, the World Series run are among my favorite things that happened during that World Series run. (laughs) Yes, it's 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 amazing because people, you know, they started calling in and, and texting in and sending messages and emails. Okay, we want you guys to create some more of those videos, and they did not realize that that was just organically created. Those were just natural reactions. <laughs> and a few times, we didn't even know that we were live with some of our reactions, you know, within the studio doing the games. Oh, well, then I admire your restraint, because if I didn't know I was being recorded, I would have had a lot of not-safe-for-work language in my video. <laughs> well, Bo's a professional. That's the difference between him and us. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, the um, he got the whole village video is definitely one of my favorite things, when Howie hit the, the Grand Slam. And, you know, Nick was at that game in L.A., Bo. <laughs> Uh-oh, it was I tell you, there, easily there, there probably the best, best moment ever. <laughs> Yes, there there are some there are some moments that I that I I look back on in sports and you you quickly realize 
that the world actually stopped just for that moment. And when Howie Kendrick hit that home run, you know, obviously, you know, it was a magical season, but I, I, I point to two grand slams in LA that I think defined the 2019 season. It was the Parra grand slam back mm-hmm. in May and the Howie Kendrick grand slam in the playoffs. And both oh, that's of them great. You know, I hadn't thought of that yeah, right. in those terms. But, yeah, that was that power one was against the Dodgers, too. Yes, yeah, I mean, you had, I mean, we were actually, we were being no hit that day. We were being no wow, hit that day. Wow, I forgot about that. And, and Parra obviously had just joined the team. It was his first hit as a national. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just started the whole mojo, you know, of the team and, and Parra becoming – you know, Baby Shark, and I just think that those were two pivotal break points within the course of the season, obviously spread far apart. But when you look at those two moments in Dodger Stadium, I think they climaxed the, the season. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. That was coming off that brutal Mets series where they got swept, and it really felt like the it was the low point of the season, and then that's when everything started to change. Yes, I mean imagine imagine coming off coming off that Mets series and then you go to LA and you get no hit. I mean, yeah. when you start when you start to talk about you know things looking bleak, I mean that would have been you know probably the lowest of lows. But again, you know, Parra saves the day and it uh, it injects new life into the ball club. And after the nineteen and thirty one start, the rest of it became history. Yeah, yeah, it's it awesome. Sure did. Because we look at you, or we've interviewed uh, Jesse Doherty, Sam Forte, a, a bunch of guys who whose job is to cover the Nats. And as for people like Amanda and myself, I mean, we're just fans, and we love doing this podcast. And uh, everyone on Twitter loves interacting. But we forget that you, Sam, Jesse, whoever, you guys are also fans too. So listening to you talk about the season in retrospect and how everything unfolded and just what something, uh, the park grand slam wasn't a small feat, but you didn't realize how important it would be going through the rest of the season. It just, it's awesome to talk about. I'm just like taking it all in. Like it just happened yesterday. Yeah. Especially since we're all missing baseball, something fierce right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's nice to reminisce. That's it. I, tell, I mean, missing may be an understatement. You know, it's, you know, for 27 years, I've, you know, headed to spring training and, you know, like clockwork, the baseball season would start opening day to me is a national holiday. And it's almost like you just, you feel incomplete. I mean, you feel, yeah. you, wake, you wake up and, you know, I can only work out with so much and, mm-hmm. and, 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 read, and read so many, so many books and, you know, pick up different projects right now, you know, with COVID-19 having us all grounded, I am, you know, daddy, daddy, professor Porter, because we're doing the <laughs> distant learning homeschooling. So oh. that's keeping me occupied, but you, there's, there's nothing like waking up and going to the ballpark every day. No, yeah. there certainly isn't. Today was the home opener. <laughs> we should all be at Nats Park right now. I know. Yes. The home, I, I, the home I, opener. I scheduled to take this day off. <laughs> Yes, with the ring ceremony set for Saturday, and and we and obviously all of that is on hold as we you know await 
the new the new schedule. Well, that's a great way to segue into one of the questions I have for you. I mean, obviously, we're all waiting for news. Do you have any insight or thoughts or expectations about what you think um, as far as when the season starts? Obviously, nobody can predict that, but what you think things are going to look like and how you think the season might play out? Well, I mean, I, I, I'll say this. I, I know that the one thing that is working in our advantage is the fact that players are in shape year-round. And the fact that most players show up to spring training in game, like in game shape, like they're ready to play. It's just all a matter of getting their wins and and their endurance up to play nine innings. So with that being said, I don't think it's going to take the players long once we're able to reconvene and get back into spring training because most of these guys from the point in which spring training you know, um, ended with this COVID-19, they went home and they're training now almost like their in-season workout program. So once spring training goes back, I would say it would be two weeks and the players will probably be ready to go. With that being said, you know, just looking at the calendar and it being, you know, April 2nd, I mean, my, my hope is that by June 1st, we can possibly be playing um, games now; those games may not be with fans, be in the ballpark. But I think right now, even you know, people that are not baseball fans would take Major League Baseball being played on television right now with some form of entertainment. Oh, absolutely! Um, yes. Yeah. With that, with that, with that being said, um, I think a realistic target for I would say opening day for ballparks where fans are in the ballpark. To me, it would it would be great for it to be July Fourth weekend. You know, with with that being largely one of the biggest you know days in baseball anyway. Fourth of July is always a heavily attended game. You know, throughout Major League Baseball, yeah, I think that would be great if the Fourth of July was the first day in which fans we're allowed back into the ballpark and, and we're back to complete normality. Yeah. That would be awesome. Cause the Nats always do a great 4th of July thing anyway, since we're, you know, nation's capital and all that. And plus you could do yeah. the ring ceremony then too. So it'd be like fireworks again. Yes. I think, yeah, I mean, again, be- all, of, all of the, all of the storylines throughout the course of the year, I think that, you know, our country, you know, we rally around, you know, things that happen, you know, adversely to our country. You look at, you know, the event of 9-11 and how the country was able to, you know, kind of unite and, and, and stand strong together. This is not going to be any different. And baseball was one of the one of the, the strong points during that time. I believe that baseball will step up again and, and help our country recover, you know, from this unprecedented turn of events. Yeah, yeah. I agree completely with that. Yeah, we need we need something because I think everyone, myself included, is just kind of going crazy, not knowing what to do. And I get it. Like we ha- we have to stay safe. If everyone does their part, then obviously this coronavirus stuff will find a solution sooner. But it definitely could use some sort of <laughs> entertainment, whether it's a baseball being played with no fans in the stands. I mean, at least that's something, like you said. Um, but you've had a very like in interesting to me uh trip uh, like through throughout baseball obviously you're with the og nats 
uh, I call them the OG Nats, the RFK Nats. <laughs> and then, um, and obviously you, you made your way back with the organization in a different role. Uh, how, I mean, basically if I'm looking at it, you're just a Nats fan through and through, right? You, you found your way back home. Yes. I mean, I, 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 I've said this many times before that, you know, my, my best years in baseball, you know, took place with the Washington nationals and, when the opportunity presented itself for me to come back to the organization in this capacity, um, you know, from a network, from a network analyst standpoint, it was a no brainer for me. It's something that I, I saw myself transitioning into. I had already done some work with MLB network and, you know, the fact that one, I know the organization, I know the ownership, you know, Mark Lerner and the Lerner family, they're great. Mike Rizzo and I have uh, a longstanding relationship so it just it made all the sense in the world. It gave me an opportunity to get back into the day-to-day of baseball, um, evaluating the game, evaluating players. And, and I, I, I said to Dan, you know, many times I said, you know, it's amazing when you sit, you know, in the press box or you sit in the booth and, and we're watching the game, how clearly you see the game when you start to think about the different hats in which I've been, you know, so blessed to wear, whether it's player, whether it's coach, whether it's manager. And when you're coaching, you don't get to see it through all of those lenses because you're more focused on, you know, the job at hand that you're being charged to do. But when you know you're seeing it through the eyes of reporting, you have to report on all aspects. So obviously you take all of those hats and you put them into one ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I, your your perspective has you've filled so many roles throughout baseball, and you know everywhere from is the Cubs, I believe, that drafted you. Yes, yeah, started with the Cubs. Yeah, so you've been with a bunch of different organizations as a player. You've been, you know, you've been with the Astros as a manager. Um, I would like to kind of talk to you about um, the Astros if you've got some thoughts on that. I know you were their manager. Um, for was it two years, I believe, and uh, some of the players who are still there were there during your tenure, and also um, love to hit on um, Will Harris since he's a former Astro now National. Yes, I did. I didn't have any experience with Will Harris. Um, he was he was after my tenure, but the the players. I mean, I, I had Jose Altuve. Obviously, he was much younger at that time. George Springer you know, had just made his major league debut. He ended up getting hurt and didn't 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 get as much time with him as one as I wanted to. I wanted Carlos Correa, but they wouldn't give him to me. They said he wasn't ready. But he was the best <laughs> player in the best player in the system at the time. But you when you when you look at the Houston Astros, obviously it's a it's a very talent it's a very talented ball club. It's um unfortunate the 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 sign gate still in you know scandal has, you know, put a dark cloud over the organization and the success in which they was able to enjoy over the course of, you know, what was the best run in organizational history. But um with that with that being said, you know, I'm 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 thrilled for the fact that I had an opportunity to manage major league baseball. I was able to do it, you know, in Houston, you know, pretty much I'm from New Jersey, but I've been in Houston. Have been in Houston for 18 years. When when I did become the manager of the Astros, so I kind of felt oh, wow. like Houston was home anyway. So yeah, it was um, 
again, when you, when you start to look at all of your many different experiences, even from the standpoint of me managing Houston doing those lean years and witnessing, you know, a team completely tearing down, tearing down the organization in a rebuild, it gave me a different perspective now as I sit in the position of reporting and analyzing um, the game itself. I, I, I understand what the Baltimore Orioles is going through. And if you mm-hmm. would have asked me this question, you know, eight, nine years ago, I wouldn't have the understanding that I have today if I didn't have that experience. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. It's a um, did, very unique thing to go through a rebuild because, I mean, the Nats have endured a period of success that not most teams endure. Like, look at the Royals. The Royals won a World Series just a few years ago, and now they're in a complete rebuild. It's very rare that a team uh, or on a Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox can experience a length of success just because there's so much volatility and turnover in baseball. Um, so that's a good point. I mean, I'm sure Orioles fans, the few that are hanging in there, uh, could use a, a silver lining or a light at the end of the tunnel. Well, I mean, it's 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 hard, you know, when you're when you're boots on the ground, you know, when you're when you're an executive or you're in the front office, you're more so looking at the organization from a global view. When you're on the field, you're boots on the ground and you're more concerned about the data like today. You're saying to yourself, right. how do we win this game today? Whereas a general Would you manager, say go one and oh? Yeah, go one and <laughs> oh. And, and again, that, that's that, great advice. That is an or- yes, that's an organizational philosophy, but the job of the leader or the executive in the front office is to be realistic of how good of a chance you have to go one and oh every day. And that's difficult sometimes for people that are on the field. And again, I'm speaking from a learning curve. It's something that if, if, if I can go back to my days of managing Houston, I would have had the same energy to motivate the players that were on the field each and every day. But my perspective as it relates to the views of the front office would have been different because I have more experience now. Yeah, that makes good sense. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder now, since you were with them in those lean years and then they went on this kind of historic run of great years and now, of course, this massive scandal, do you feel like the people you knew in the organization, like were you shocked by the fact that this was allowed to happen in that organization? or? I'd love to get your perspective on you know, knowing some of the, the front office people and the, the ownership and the players um, if you thought this was something that could ever happen in a place like Houston. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think it, it hinges on knowing the person. I mean, I would be shocked if – I mean, I think any, everybody was shocked that this was taking place. Um, when you When you look at the report and you listen to the players – that have, you know, went on record to speak about it, it's, it's alarming, you know, the degrees in which they went through, they went to in order to gain the competitive advantage. And, and I, I'll try to keep this as, as simple as possible because I think this can be 
a long-winded conversation if, if we if we allow it to. <laughs> Certainly. At the at, at at the end of the day, the violation more so deals with the Astros gaining a competitive advantage that was indefensible. That's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Because when you start to look at gamesmanship and stealing signs and Anytime that happens within the flow of the game, there's not one major league player or one person that play our game that will have a problem with it because what they know is, all right, they got our signs, but there's something that I can do about it. I can change them. I can use a better sequence. I can be more aware. You know, the catcher can close his legs. There, there are things, you know, you know, Sandy Alomar was my base running coach with the Chicago Cubs. One of the first things he taught me is when I got on first base, he said, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of lazy catchers. He said, so you want to take a peek in. You may be able to see the catcher signs when he put them down. Now, there are catchers, some were really good major league catchers that I would steal bases off of, and I had the signs. Now, but that's, that's gamesmanship that's happening on the field, mm-hmm. and the other team have an opportunity to defend that. But when you start to look at what took place in Houston, I think it crossed the line at the point where, one, other teams did not know, which made it completely indefensible. That's where it went wrong. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And um, also the fact that other teams didn't have the opportunity because they didn't have a, a camera set up to to do it wasn't a it wasn't a fair competitive advantage that they were gaining certainly right and yeah like you said Bo there's certain things that are quote-unquote stealing signs that are just within the game like if you're on second base looking at the catcher signs that's within the game or another example pitch tipping like if if a pitcher is blatantly tipping his pitches and the batter Picks up on that. So yeah, that's fair game. But like you said, using technology and equipment and buzzers allegedly to get an advantage in game, something that you couldn't do yourself. Yeah, that's it's just indefensible, and I don't think anyone disagrees with that. But it, it just it it's a good point that most teams, if not every team, will try to get a competitive advantage within the game, but not every team is taking it as far as the Astros did. Exactly. And, and, and I, think, I think we all can, can agree, you know, that that's, that's where everybody drew the line. Yeah, I think so. And as you said, this could be a very long conversation, but we'll leave it there. <laughs> Everybody has lots of thoughts and opinions on that that situation. Um, I have another question yes. for you, Bo. I know that you were involved with the uh, free agent camp that took place in 2018, which was really the year when free agency seems like it changed really dramatically. It was a weird year, was, yeah. Yeah, and I'd love to just get your thoughts on what that was like and kind of what you think if there's – either an abbreviated season this year or, heaven forbid, there's no season this year, what you think free agency might look like the next time we see it? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I think that right now there are a lot of general managers that are rethinking their organizational plan. Most, most teams come into the season, obviously, you know, with the three-year plan, knowing, you know, how they're going to compete over the course of the next three seasons. And then you look at your five-year plan of, of managing your 40-man roster. But now when you start to look at a condensed season, this is 
again, this may end up being good for baseball because I'm one for competitive balance. I think that the more competition you have in your league, the better. So when you start to look at a condensed season, maybe playing 100 games instead of playing 162, because I'm a firm believer over the course of 162 teams, I think the best team normally wins. Or I would say there is a bucket of the best four to six teams, and one of those six teams will win. But when you start mm-hmm. to look at a 100-game season, everybody has a chance. And I yeah, say really that, that there are a lot of teams that showed up to spring training and their free agency was based on their three-year plan of, okay, we don't think we can win it in 2020, so this is how we're going to operate in free agency. And I think that's why you see a lot of the players that are still out still out in free agency still available. But I think once the doors are reopened and once everybody know exactly what the roster size is going to be, and, you know, I, I've, I've been on record of saying this, and I'll make this point because I think it plays into what's going to happen with free agency for the rest of this year. If they expand rosters, and in my opinion, they should expand rosters in two ways. They should expand rosters to where teams are allowed to carry two extra 40-man players, and then they are allowed to carry three what I call veteran exceptions, meaning a player that has more than six years or whatever, whatever, whether they want to say you know six years, four years, five years, veteran exception allows those players to get put on the active roster without impacting the 40-man roster. Because what you don't want is something like COVID-19 impacting a team losing a young player that they would have protected, but rosters expanded now. So now they're trying to, you know, expand their roster and make their team more competitive. But you also don't want teams rushing young players to the big leagues that's not ready because Mm -hmm. they have expanded rosters. So I'm looking at this from two ways of how do we protect both ends of that spectrum? Well, if you have a veteran's exception and you're able to add three players that don't count against your 40-man roster, now you're going to see teams again in a window where you're looking at an abbreviated season. Okay, what three veteran free agents can I go out and sign to make my ball club better? They don't count against my 40-man roster. It's an abbreviated season. I'm not paying them a full salary for a full year. It changes the whole dynamic of roster construction. And I think general managers right now are sitting in their office and they're navigating all of those different scenarios of how can we compete in 2020. Yeah, I like that a lot. uh, Yeah, I love that idea because, like you said, you don't want to rush a guy, for example, like, Maybe not Carter Keeboom because he, he's borderline ready, but like let's say Luis Garcia, you don't want to rush him to the majors and hinder his development, and but you also don't want to designate for assignment or release a, a guy lower in the 40-man roster to make room for someone who's major league ready. So I love the veteran exception. Plus, we it opens up the possibility that we get to see Fernando Rodney come back for an age 44 season. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and, and again, those are those those are those are the 
the things that I think as, as Major League Baseball, you know, whenever you start talking about something unprecedented, I think, you know, you have to, you know, think outside of the box and say to yourself, how do we navigate this situation today but don't allow it to impact the future of the game? Right. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a that's a really good way of looking at it. And you do have to get this is such a, a weird year, but it could wind up with some, you know, some rule changes and, you know, some thinking outside the box, like you said, to be a wildly interesting season whenever it finally commences. So, no, to, mm-hmm. to, and to answer to further answer your question as to free agency with the free agent camp. It was it was a strange time because obviously I was I was charged to to lead a group of guys that you know, for the first time in their career, you know, it, it was uncertainty. And it wasn't uncertainty yeah. because they couldn't play. It was uncertainty because the market had changed. And, again, I think when you start to look at the market changing, analytics changed the market because it changed how players were now being evaluated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you start to take a deeper dive into the numbers, it starts to place – you know, value, you know, to that player and what percentage of your salary that player should represent. And I think that was the more, that was more the freeze on the market. You know, I've, I've, I've always said this at the end of the day, you know, analytics don't have emotions. And when you, when you think about business decisions, you're looking at your roster, you are removing all of the emotion from it, and you have to look at the raw, the raw numbers to make a good business decision. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. I think analytics are, certainly are helpful and should be used, but they shouldn't be the end-all, be-all. I think it was Mark Reynolds uh, in that year. He didn't get an offer for two months, and then on the same day he got the same exact offer from four different teams. So clearly yeah. – everyone's kind of caught up and is using the same model, the same platform to evaluate these guys. And yeah, that's why we saw such a, a weird free agency. And it, it seemed like it, it sort of corrected itself out this past off season. But like you said before, there's still some pretty big names and pretty serviceable guys still in the market um, looking for jobs. Yeah, yeah, I think. And, and again, and, and I, I definitely do not live in the space that, you know, analytics is the end of all be all. I think it's a tool in the toolbox and it should be used at the appropriate times. But again, when you start to evaluate players, this is where, in my opinion, you have to take a deep dive into, into the number. When I, when I first went to the Atlanta Braves, um, John Hart brought me to the Atlanta Braves and we were faced with, you know, a decision on whether or not to trade Jason Haywood. And if we trade Jason Haywood, who will we replace him with? So John Hart charged me. He said, Bo, you know, you know the game, you know the players, you know, put something together. So as I started to look at the free agent list, I identified Nick Markakis. So yeah. <laughs> we did a little we, we we did a little exercise. We put Nick Markakis statistics on one side of the screen, Jason Haywood statistics on the other side of the screen, but we removed the name. We just gave the whole room 
the data. Oh, like Here's player A, player B type things you see online. Player A, player A, player B. And what I did was I went deeper into the numbers. I went into Markakis' numbers against the top 20% pitchers in baseball. Jason Haywood batting average against the top 20%. Nick Markakis batting average seventh inning or later against, you know, a bullpen guys. Mm-hmm. So when you start to take a deep dive into that, and now you look at the you look at the two players, everyone in the room picked Nick Markakis and didn't even know who he was. <laughs> yeah, that's and super the interesting. Question, the, the question to the room was, okay, player A is going to cost us one hundred and sixty million. Right. Player B is going to is going to cost us fifty. Who do you want? And exactly. The whole uh, I was just going to bring up that point. Yeah. 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 Give me, give me player B. And then once we revealed it, we said, well, how many of you guys still want Jason Haywood? Well, the whole room raised their hand except for me. But they didn't know who the players were. But then once they, huh. once they saw who the players were, it was like, oh, my. So well, that's a really pay, interesting pay, peek at how this happens in a real pay, ball club, yeah. you know? You're going to pay $110 million less, and you're going to get a better player. Yeah. And yeah. they, that's I mean, how, that's, obviously. That's, that's how the information, that's how the numbers should, should. be used. Yes. And obviously, we know how that played out since then. They traded Hayward and signed Marcakis, and they even re signed Marcakis. So clearly, you were the smartest man in the room that day. <laughs> no, I never, I never, I never claimed to be the smartest man in any room. <laughs> never. And if, 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 you're the smart, if you're the smartest person in any room, you're in the wrong room. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. That's deep. I like that. I like that's that. a good piece of advice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So well, clearly, I need, well, it is... I need to find a different podcast because I'm the smartest guy in the podcast. Oh, so I, I need knew to that was coming. Podcast <laughs> and challenge myself Amanda, a little. Amanda, you gonna let him get away with that? <laughs> oh, if you listen to the podcast, it gets way worse than that, though. <laughs> Bo, I have one more question for you, and it's kind of along the same lines, actually. I've got to know. Are you pro universal DH or are you anti universal DH? Because that's the oh, one debate we, we we struggle over. We talk about every single episode almost. So I, I got to know: Are you pro DH, anti DH? I am pro DH. Yes. This is why. Oh, oh this, is, this, is, this is why. This is why. I think offense is exciting, and I think the fans will enjoy having an extra hitter in the lineup that can provide offense than having the pitcher hit, you know, two or three times, depending on who the pitcher is in the, Nas- in, in, in the National League. I think it just adds more excitement to our game. I All right, well, agree. you're with Nick and Brian on this one. Agree. I am, oh, man. I'm on I'm the other so side of that. I'm so happy right now. Debate. And also, I think it allows us, when, when you think about the designated hitter, 
think about the designated hitter and how the designated hitter prolonged the career of Dave Winfield. Mm-hmm. You know, guys like guys like David Ortiz. Yeah. You know, Edgar Mar- Edgar Edgar Martinez, who mm-hmm. was a pretty good third baseman before, you know, before the injuries, and he ended up having the DH. But mm-hmm. ima- imagine, you know, guys like that, you know, not have an opportunity to end up having Hall of Fame careers. Yeah, I mean they they they, they went through. He, you know, he ended up getting three thousand hits because he was able to transition to being a DH. I mean, I, I'm yeah, that's yeah. A, it is a good point. I'm glad there's the DH in the American League. I just don't want to see it in the National League. Listen, the, the think, think Howie Kendrick, think, think Howie Kendrick this. was the DH in the Game Seven of the World Series. That's going to be the the drop the mic argument for me for the rest of time, as long as this argument is, a, is exists. The Nats wouldn't have won the World Series if Howie Kendrick doesn't hit the home run. Howie Kendrick is not in the lineup if there's no DH. Boom. Case closed. And think about think, now. Think about this. Th- think about this. Look at a guy like Andre Dawson. Like, imagine if Andre Dawson would have played the bulk of his career in the American League rather than the National League. Mm-hmm. I mean, he may have been a twenty-time All Star. <laughs> yeah, he may have been. He may have been. Well, we've had this argument many, many times on, on our podcast. But, but we're uh, Nick and Ryan, who's Ryan wasn't able to join us today, but they are both very pro universal DH, and I am very not. So, you're giving them lots of fodder for the next time we have this argument. <laughs> awesome. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's no longer an argument. I'm I'm just right. So. Yes, but that's just, you've always thought that, regardless of this is how true. many times. <laughs> This is true. <laughs> We've the argument. Well, Bo, thank you so much again for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time. I know we're all very baseball starved, so it's it's really nice to be able to chat with you. And I know our listeners are are going to be excited to to hear this interview. Um, can you give everybody your um, handles again for social media? Yes, you can follow you can follow me on Twitter at I'm sorry, one second. You can follow me on Instagram at the real Bo Porter, and you can follow me on Twitter at Bo Porter 16 Bo. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thanks again. Stay safe. Um, I hope everything's going well with you and your family, and hopefully we'll have a chance to catch up again in the near future and have some actual baseball games to talk about. Okay. Thank you, guys. Stay safe. Stay All right. Time. Thanks. thanks. You both. too. Bye-bye. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later Dawn, well, you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.